once again to another episode of Matt and Brett Love Comics. This is Matt. Oh, this is Brett. That really does smell like... Was that peppermint or cinnamon? It was the pep- uh, cinnamon. Oh, wow. Okay. I was blind. <laughs> that was cinnamon, and this is a podcast. Uh, this is our book club episode. My pick, we are going to be reviewing The Goon, issues 36 through 39, four standalone stories that all sort of contribute to the overarching... Goon Mythos, and with us today are two very funny people returning to the show. Once again is Ms. Nicole Dressel. I have feelings. You have you have feelings that you have worn on your face since the moment you put down the iPad. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, and we're about to we're about to talk about them. I feel like I'm gonna get an earful in a few minutes. <laughs> She's not your mom. She's not gonna, no, I know that. She's not going to scold you like, Matt, you shouldn't be reading. But as soon as Matt saw my face, he immediately went, you immediately looked guilty. That's it, when <laughs> assumed personal responsibility. No, because I assume that any time I... Because, because any time I... Well, I'll get into why I felt mm-hmm. that way in a minute. But uh, also joining us, a uh, very funny comedian, uh, filmmaker, improviser. Uh, you can catch him at the UCB on Tuesdays during Herald Night. With uh, my lord, what team? Bucky. Oh, that's right. On Bucky yeah. with Nicole. Uh, you guys yeah. are you guys are both on Bucky, uh, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, Mr. Benjamin Apple. Hi guys. <laughs> I he, say, I'm saying that to the listeners, not to you guys. Sure, sure, sure. Uh, so, so uh, Ben, um, you're uh, you're an improviser. Uh-huh. Uh, you do a lot of stuff over at UCB. Uh-huh. Um, how uh, how's everything going? Things are going well. I'm staying busy. You know, shark. You know, yeah. Stop. You stop You're moving. talking about for constant forward momentum. I don't like to explain my analogies. I just say one word that represents the whole analogy. Shark. Shark. Ben is yeah. currently in a mode where he's trying to be. I think he's he's in uh, the the cool loner from a teen comedy in the '90s mode. <laughs> okay. You just say something and you let it hang in the air. And I don't care if anybody knows what I'm talking about. Yeah. <laughs> and then you just you chew on a cinnamon stick. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but but yeah, you've uh, so you've been improvising for mm-hmm. uh, when did you when did you start improvising? Two thousand seven. Uh, my first class started in uh, March of two thousand seven. So I've been uh, taking classes for that long and performing on indie teams for about that long. Sure. And was uh, was improv your first experience with comedy, or what was uh, what background did you did you bring to it, and what brought you to uh, to sort of pursue improv? I uh, when I, I moved to New York. Uh, because there weren't any, uh, my day job is as a web programmer, and there weren't any web programming jobs in Philly, so I decided that I had to either, to move to either New York or D.C., because that's where the jobs were. Sure. And between the two, I decided New York was just more exciting. I'm a big Woody Allen fan, and I romanticized it all out of proportion. Oh, yeah. And, <laughs> uh, and uh, so I decided to move to New York. I took a job here without any apartment or friends here or anything, so I came up here just for the job. And then, because I was broke, I started going to school night at UCB, which is a free show. Yeah. Because somebody told me about it. I had no knowledge of improv or any of that. I just started going and got interested, got hooked. Got hooked. Yeah. yeah. Hooks um, you're, you, 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 you always strike me as a guy who, uh, like you said before, sort of the, the, the forward momentum idea of being a shark. I mean, you're a guy that... Shark. Uh, you're a shark that shark. Uh, that 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 made a set in your own bedroom and uh, and shot oh, yeah. a web series. Yeah, before I, uh, web series were like cool. Yeah, too, right. I don't. I think they're pretty that cool. Now. I made them cool. You made them cool. Yeah. 
That's not true. There, you sharked them up. Other you really sharked them up. Yeah. 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 Wait, which series are we talking about? Uh, it's called Friends. NBC <gasps> made it. <You're> <laughs> well, you are a monster. Uh, no, I shot a series called Late Night Interview. Oh, I don't know. It was shot in your bedroom. That's yeah. what confused yeah. me. Well, I'm glad that you didn't know because yeah. I tried really hard to make it look like it was shot. On a budget, and it was shot. It on did. A it looked budget. like it was shot yeah. in a crowded yeah. studio. Yeah. It looked. It looked spectacular. The only reason I know that is because Rob Stern said to me, he was like, "Yeah, we shot that in his bedroom," and I said, yeah. "No, that that's yeah. a sta- that's a sound stage. Yeah. Stop is, messing uh, with my perceptions of reality." Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah it is a, a web series called Late Night Interview. It's still online. Where I uh, I really love Charlie Rose, the real yeah yeah PBS show, and uh, I thought that I think that that setting like kind of a a dark studio where it seems very intimate between these two people would be a really funny setting for a comedy show. So it's basically a fake Charlie Rose show. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yep. And you and you interviewed sort of a, a, a cast of weirdos, just people I, with uh, like strange jobs and stuff like yeah. that. All characters. It was set but. in a, a fictionalized version of my hometown, Bridley Township. Uh, which, for the purposes of the web series, was made even smaller <laughs> and sadder. Not that it, it is small or sad in reality, but it was made small and sad. Um, and uh, each uh, guest, each time, was an improviser that I knew and liked and wanted to work with. And uh, so we would improvise it and, you know, use all the good stuff. It was a lot of fun. Yeah. I still have an unedited episode of uh, that I shot with Anna Rubinova. Mm, close to two years ago. Yeah, oh, wow. it's it's it's, uh, it's a lost episode. Sitting on that. Yeah, you're just waiting. You're waiting for Anna to blow up. Well, I started. And then you're gonna be like, <laughs> ah, featuring. Anna. Uh, I started looking at some of the footage the other day because it came up in conversation, and it's pretty good. So nice. It'll come. It'll happen at some point. I like that. Yeah, and you heard it here first. You heard it here. That's right. That's uh, <laughs> Matt and Brett love comics. Your place for scoops yeah. about late about night interview. Late night <laughs> Uh, about so a web series from two years. Ago. What um, what other projects aside from improv are you working on right now? What's uh, what's exciting you? Um, well, a few months ago, I started contributing uh, headlines to the Onion, which I'm super psyched about. Awesome. Have uh, you uh, have have you gotten anything in yet? Yeah. Um, some headlines. So the way that works in the Onion is there's a larger group of people who just write headlines, and then there's a smaller group of people who actually turn those into articles, the actual written. Oh yeah, content. yeah. Right, and that's sort of like the freelancers. <laughs> will help create the headlines and right. send them in, and right? Then are, and, then, and then there are staff writers that are, like, full-time at the Uni who actually write. So some headlines that I got in, have gotten in so far were, um, uh, area co-worker finally finds a good reason to hate co- or, no, 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 area man finally finds good reason to hate co-worker he hates. <laughs> yeah. um, I like it. Um, NASA discovers uh, intelligent, condescending life in distant galaxies. <laughs> and then I just had one, um, in the last few days, which was, um, uh, mosquitoes don't even need to bite us. Study shows. <laughs> so, that was great. It was turned into an article about how mosquitoes are just these hateful, spiteful creatures <laughs> who actually s- subsist on pollen and they don't <laughs> need human blood. They just spit it out. <laughs> uh, it's really fun because they always, you know, they take an idea and they run with it and just turn it into something hilarious. Yeah. Um, so that's a lot of fun. Um, I was in an episode of Gossip Girl recently, which was a fun Right! Yeah. Yeah. Right! Oh, you were yeah. officially canon yeah. in the Gossip Girl universe. Yeah, I'm, yeah. I'm part of the, the official extended Gossip Girl universe. Did your character have a name? I saw the clips. It wasn't spoken aloud. 
in the episode. But are on the you page, in the Gossip Girl wiki? On the page, is there? There I'm probably sure there is. is. I'm there's sure there's a wiki there. for everything. Um, on the page, my name is Dylan. I think. Okay. Um, I can see that. Yeah, I can see fun. that, Dylan. Yeah. So I'm, you know, I'm. I go out on auditions. I'm. I'm writing stuff. I'm trying to stay active. It's fun. Awesome. What awesome. is your uh, prior comic book knowledge to ease into our discussion for the okay. day? Well, the uh, my brother <laughs> yeah. and I went through this kind of two phases, both Superman phases. <laughs> one, one was we discovered that our library in Ridley Township, actually, late night interview is set in the basement of Ridley Township Library, <laughs> <laughs> uh, and it, there's a Twitter. I have a really township Twitter that people follow thinking that it's real. <laughs> yeah, it's not. Um, but uh, our library, we found a big, thick, um, bound anthology of Superman comics from the 1950s. Oh, mm-hmm. wow. And we read that book, I think, cover to cover. It was dozens and dozens and dozens oh, yeah, yeah. Of, yeah. of issues. Um, and that was like, it was all, it was black and white. And it was really cheesy. Like, those were the Superman comics where he would be making a joke as he punched somebody. Oh, oh sure. That still happens. You're not, oh, yeah, it does. Yeah. does well, it I mean, really like, just in comics in general. Yeah, it oh, looks okay. like this alien is a failian. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. Classic. Um, and then also, <clears throat> when the uh, death of Superman happened, we got into it again, and we bought up those, you know, when it split into, like, the four Supermans. Oh, the, the, oh, yeah. the reign of the Supermen. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. We, we got into it and we started reading those and we followed it for a little while until we, until we, I guess, lost interest. But other than that, I don't, I don't know comic books. So I have just a couple of very small morsels. Okay. Sure. It's good. Sure. So this is, this was something, uh, so then this book was something pretty different than your previous uh, sort of experience with comics. Then. Yeah, definitely. I didn't know... I uh, When you guys said we we're going to be reading The Goon, I was like, oh, The Goon, that sounds kind of familiar, but I don't know if I'm just making that up. And then when I started reading it, I was like, no, nope, I don't know this at all. <laughs> <laughs> no, but yeah, this is, yeah. Uh, I, like, I, I've always heard of The Goon, because it's one of those things of, like, comic book... Like, real comic book fans. Like, oh, you're not reading The Goon? You gotta read The Goon. Like, it's yeah. one of those. Because I'm, I'm like, Marvel, I like the X-Men, you know? Oh, yeah. Uh, so I'm like, I'm finally excited. This is the first time I've ever read any of it. So yeah. I was excited to dip my toes in. Yeah, uh-huh. and there's there's a there's a bit of, like, uh, overlap between the comedy nerd community and The Goon, too. Um, uh, an early issue of The Goon, and in one of the trades, uh, Thomas Lennon wrote a short story. Oh wow! In there, and uh, and there was a uh, there was a spinoff book called The Goon Noir, and uh, Patton Oswalt, I think, wrote a couple stories. That makes sense. In that yeah. as well. That makes sense. That so Patton. That all those, adds up. Were those funny stories? Yes. Okay. Yeah. Um. They're they're very much in the sort of same tone. As uh, as what we have okay. in these in these issues by Eric Powell, um, and uh, yeah, so there's a there's a, there's a bit of correlation there. So let's I don't know, let's jump into it. I I feel like Nicole's going to explode. I just, no, I'm not. Oh really? No, I'm fine. Smiling um, it all in. I think Matt she, should lead the, the discussion. <laughs> she was silent. Nicole and I rode the train here together. She was silent for about. 15 minutes no, straight on the train. You were silent for 15 minutes. I was train, silent? Yeah, and I was trying, trying to see how long it would go. 
I was trying to see how long <laughs> I knew go. it. I, I was, was like, like, either something wonderful is happening or something really weird is happening. Well, you know how they say, like, that's when you know when you found a real friend is yep. you can sit in silence? There was that going on, but there was yes. also me thinking, Nicole is silently stewing about something that she doesn't feel like sharing with me. Like, she's obsessed <laughs> about something nope. in her personal life, and she just doesn't nope. feel like sharing. I was trying to figure out whether it means that we're we're very comfortable together as friends, or that we are both very self-absorbed, and neither one of us will make the effort to keep a conversation going, or we don't like each other. I, I had it narrowed down to those three in, in five-minute intervals during of, that 15 minutes. <laughs> it was rotating from one of the rotating, yeah. I think of the three as the first. Yeah, that was my first assumption. I'm and then I was worried it was presumptuous. I am also self-absorbed. But you're one of my favorite people to talk to okay, so that good. melts away in your presence. Great. Also, the last thing that we said, this might be oversharing, but the last thing I said was, are you seeing anyone right now? And then you said oh, no. Yeah. And then we didn't talk again. Okay, context. Now that we have that context. Yeah. 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 There was a part that was genuinely like, he might be upset. Like, I might have overstepped. Right. Yeah. That, that's funny because in my mind, I forgot that. In my mind, I had said the last thing. And so, it, in my mind, it was your decision oh. to enter the silence. But now that now, yeah, you're completely right. You said, Are you anyone right now? Uh, no. So it's silence, silence for twenty minutes. It's safe to say it wasn't something about the goon that caused the awkward no, no, no. silence. No, it's not. No. Um, uh, so, since since this is four standalone stories, we could start with the first story. Yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah. So. Uh, one of the one of the ongoing debates that Brett and I have had is that there there's sort of a lack of. Uh, a lack of stories that just are done in just that issue. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's sort of something that doesn't happen that often in comics anymore. It's all sort of long story arcs. So one issue is actually yeah. a chapter in a larger story. Mm-hmm. And this first story here is uh, is about, um, is pretty much revolves around burlesque. And actually guest stars an, an actual burlesque dancer named Roxy Delight. And who had like I didn't know that I was an actual burlesque yeah. dancer because I was like all of a sudden halfway through, the, through there's this double page spread of a real woman and I was like oh is this okay yeah I, when I got to that page I same thing happened when I got to that page I thought oh they had a woman dress up as this comic character yeah that's what I thought which which happens yeah uh, and then it wasn't I think it wasn't until I got to the very end and they had the course the interview with mm-hmm. Roxy Delight, the real person that I realized. Yeah, and, and burlesque is definitely something that uh sort of works within the tropes of this book itself because it takes place in this sort of weird dust bowl era. Yeah. Uh where vaudeville is is certainly still a viable form of entertainment. Also, bird women. Bird women. Well, do the bird are the bird women a running thing in the series? Uh, because <laughs> they're kind of there's nobody's really surprised that women with birds' wings exist. Yeah, yeah, which is a, which is the thing I love. It feels like a very improv-y move, uh-huh. where it's like, yes, uh-huh. of course, bird women live here, and yeah. like I, I like that. <laughs> yeah, there's a there's a lot of those elements in this story. Like one of the informants that hangs out at the bar that the goon. Hangs out at it as a talking spider in a bowler hat. Yeah. And no one ever questions the fact that he exists there. It's just, of course there is. It's uh, page it's page seven or like page six of the first of the of issue thirty-six. And it's like they go into an abandoned theater that used to be a burlesque club, right? And yes. it's now abandoned. And it's like like the the little guy that's with the burlesque dance was like, It ain't so bad, we can have this place up and running in no time. And then bird ladies ascend from the ceiling and the and Roxy Delight just goes, Gah! 
bird ladies. Right. As yes. if, like, that's just a thing that happens. And I was yeah. like, okay, great. I know what universe we're in. This is. Yeah. I know what to expect. Yeah, I, I, I like the sort of acceptance of those sort of weird tropes. There's definitely a lot of, uh, there's also, because it revolves around burlesque, there is, uh, there's, there are definitely, like, some cheesecake shots. Yeah. In here for Some? <laughs> Some? Uh, that was... 16 minutes and 40 seconds. <laughs> I think that is my record, though. Yeah. Like, quickest? No. Because it was a half hour. It took. What no, it was a, it was a half did, hour what? for New Mutants. Really? Yeah, yeah. You guys oh, keep wow. track of how long it takes for Nicole to, what, yell? Or for, to have like... a feminist objection to something. Oh, okay. Yeah. Okay, well, no, let's talk about this, so... Okay, I can't... Okay. <laughs> I'm assuming... There is some bigger commentary being made on burlesque and on the objectification of women and on sex as collateral, but what it really just reads as is objectification of women and sex as collateral. Like, it just reads as... I don't see... I don't read any attempt at using what you just described... For a higher purpose, right? I and I, I don't, don't know why you wouldn't. <laughs> well, she's covering her head with her cardigan. Yeah. <laughs> well, I, I kind of didn't know whether this was a a an ongoing character. This Roxy is it? Light. Is this her? Oh uh, no, no. This is this is her only appearance. Okay. Here. Right, yeah. but but beginning it, I was like, oh, this is just a a a, a character in this the universe of this comic book. But I take it that the way the way it actually works is there are just the two main characters, and then everything else yeah. switches revolves okay, around yeah. them. Right. But there's not really a message given about about burlesque or about like in in a positive or a negative way about about women. Like you like this page you're looking at here, Nicole. Even the military officer is is. She her clothes are just as revealing as what the strippers are wearing, basically. Oh yeah, at the end. Yeah, like, yeah. There's a lot of so reading this, I was like, oh, this is pornography. <laughs> Li- like literally, yeah, I was yeah. reading it, and I was like, this is this is softcore. Like this is for for uh, for like younger guys who read this. This is like the comic book equivalent of of turning on I don't know like Cinemax or whatever, where it's like there's there's basically there's nudity. Yeah, but it's it's not gonna say pornography on it, but it's like softcore. <laughs> Is I, there? But I think, but I, from the other issues that we read, and I read this one last. Spoilers: I got halfway through and I got to thirty of your beefcake shots. By the way, what do sure. we call them? Cheesecake. Cheesecake. Cheesecake is what I would be interested in. Yes. Beefcake is Mark Ruffalo in The Avengers. Hello. Anyway. Um, But for something like reading the other issues, it clearly does have a strong social conscience, I think. Yeah. Yeah. Or maybe it's a commentary on having a strong social uh, conscience. I don't know. But I know that whatever it was, this fell short. Yeah. Yeah, because I feel like uh, the other three issues, I I can very clearly see what he's going for. Um, in, like, the point. Whereas, like, this one just seems like a fun romp. Which, I mean, if it's a fun romp, then I'm totally yeah. fine with that. Like, it was, you know... I think romp romp feels like the right word because of what the word romp means, but also because how romp is usually used. Yeah. Like, so many movies are called, like, it's a sex romp. Like, this movie is a sex romp. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Whereas, like, those... Like those bikini party movies from the 1960s. Yeah, yeah. Where there's, lo- loosely speaking, there's a plot, but it's really just an excuse to watch girls dance in bikinis. Mm-hmm. It's kind of like it's kind of like that. But like you said, the other I- issues, 
are very different. So it was. it's almost as if they said, well, let's do an issue with the burlesque dancer. What would an issue based around a burlesque dancer be? Probably lots of... Yeah. I, yeah. Lots I guess maybe, make, the, like maybe the higher purpose is that the issue itself is burlesque. I mean, burlesque is a form of performance and comedy yeah. that uses nudity. And I guess oh, yeah. this is, in theory, a form of performance and comedy that uses nudity. Yeah, that's cool. That's, the and that's what I thought. is burlesque. Then, I, think, I think the right? issue itself that's is cool. burlesque. Um, but uh, it's skating by on that. Well, yeah. allow it. <laughs> I, think, I think that's a real... Skating. Oh, I like this now. I think that's well, really cool. Well, I, I think, Wait, though, too, if you're going to... Isn't there actually a page in the beginning where it says that? Like, I feel The like very introduction of the... Where it's pretty explicit that they consider this issue to be burlesque the opening the opening page here this vaudevillian tribute to burlesque yes okay. yeah okay yeah and uh, i think that especially if you're going to deal with the subject of burlesque you you would be remiss if there weren't actually women that were well, titties okay all right all right yeah Some cans take all bitties yeah finally got thunderbirds yeah i agree with that i think <clears throat> Yeah, I don't know. What's your, well, let me ask you this: What is your what is your opinion of burlesque in general? I do have complicated feelings about burlesque. Sure, how so? Uh, I have complicated feeling. I, oh wait, you learned the word unpack. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I, unpack. Yeah. Is that a phrase? It is probably <laughs> unpack I think your could, emotions. I think you could listen to Matt and Brett Love comics and drink every time I use the word unpack. Yeah, yeah. And get trashed. Yeah. But, um, I, well, yeah, because I think I have minor. I have my, I have complicated feelings about any art form that women tend to participate in where they have to create an alternate identity for themselves in order to do a brave thing. Sure. Okay. So I kind of feel the same way about roller derby. I just isolated <laughs> anybody who might have been on my side before. Okay. Wait, um, wait you... Roll, they create identities for themselves? Yeah, they have, like, the fake derby? names and... Well, I mean, is that, does that go to, like, acting as well? Like actresses, because they. Yeah, that's. Do you mean in the sense that they change their stage names or literally just no, portray, like they, they portray another. Oh, no. What are. Other than burlesque and roller derby. I mean those two. <laughs> I mean those two. Oh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> In any of the two things, <laughs> that but I'm then, but of. then, what? What then about something like, uh, you know, as we're as we're moving closer to like everyone having their own show online, right? Everyone sort of has to adopt a persona to have yeah. to have a web series or something like that. And if you are presenting yourself as yourself in in a web series, how do you? Do, how does that sort of fall on your on on your scale of? Uh, because it's not an alternate identity. Do you, you don't think it is? Because I feel like even if you're creating an alternate identity, there's, there's still a, a part of you that's in it, right? I think there's a difference between a fictionalized version of yourself and an alternate identity. Okay. For sure. So, okay. so like, women who burlesque under their actual name? Oh, my God. I don't know. Well, that... I don't want to... I, I do not want <laughs> to have to, on the spot, get into a complicated <laughs> conversation about burlesque instead of comic books. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's what you signed up for. I know. Um, I... No, but I, just, I also understand, like... Because you don't, like, also, just in general, making a definitive statement that you're not prepared to make. Like, because you're not condemning burlesque. Not at all. At all, yeah. And, and it could easily come across as that yes. if we keep going down that avenue yes, of discussion. precisely. But, like, we want to state, like, we don't have any strong no. feelings towards roller derby players or burlesque dancers. Right. We love you. Right. Sisters, just keep doing it for yourselves, girl. What about drag queens? Right. <laughs> 
I'm just kidding. Uh, I will say that everyone is well drawn. Yeah. I think it's... Oh, I, I mean, I, this is the first... Who is the artist? Uh, the, the writer and artist, is his name is oh, Eric great. Powell. It's beautiful. Yeah. Maybe yeah, the yeah. most beautiful thing that we've looked at so far. Yeah. yeah. The, yeah. Color, yeah. the colors are the by colors Dave are Stewart. Also, um, like, really was, beautiful. Yeah. Yes. They have, like, an amazing... Synergy that like it feel it's it's one of those things where it feels like it's all done by one person yes. and it's yep. masterful yes. to find out that it's done by two yeah it's really cool absolutely uh, yeah I um I don't know it's a, it's a tricky issue and I was I was very fascinated I was I really wanted you in the room especially to discuss this issue and uh, okay so you read this one last yes right uh, now now but looked at it first. Like sure, was, because you, gonna, you emailed I was gonna me. Try, yeah, because I was going to read them on my lunch break at work, and I opened that one up and was like, well, guess what I'm not getting through. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and, and I think that's fair. Um, I, uh, how, how do you, compared to, what was your initial reaction just viewing that and, uh, and taking that initial reaction and moving into the, the next issue in the story. Oh, that's really interesting. Which is, uh, which is the tale about the... 37, right? 37. Yeah. yeah. Issue well, 37, which is the, uh, story about the elderly woman who loses right. her husband and goes to work in the textile factory and... I think because th- from that very first panel, it could not be more different. I was like, okay, cool. We're fine. Yeah. Eric and I are cool. <laughs> I can read this now. Yeah. I, I remember I watched um, on the America, the story of us on the History Channel, and yeah. they had a whole segment about, what's it called? Like the shirt... Triangle Shirtwaist Factory. Triangle Shirtwaist Factory. I lived uh, on that street with Josh Penn. Really? Oh, wow, yeah. yeah. <clears throat> so, there's nothing there, right? Just There's just a marker. Huh? I mean, like, there's I mean, not there's a museum a, or anything. There's not a museum. Yeah. There's a building you'll see tour guides stop with crowds of people and, like, talk about Is it the actual... Oof. No, that's not the actual building. It burned down. Did, did it collapse? I don't did think it? it collapsed. Oh, wow. Oh, wow. So the people like, live sure. in that building? Well, this is based on, the, on an actual incident. Like, yeah. Almost verbatim, yeah. too, I feel yeah, like. Yeah, which that, to me, so I, I kind of had to ease, I eased my way into these. Um, but to me, I, I couldn't read the first one, and then I read the second one, and I was like, okay, this is nothing more complicated than kind of just being a retelling of the Triangle Shirtwaist Factory fire. Yeah. yeah. Like, he does, he plays <clears throat> it pretty black and white. Like, there's good guys and there's bad guys, and maybe there are people who are kind of less bad, like the but cop. there's nobody who you really, who I feel like inhabits interesting moral territory, which I think is kind yeah. of the case throughout the uh, that we read. He did, sure. in, in, the, in the, the back matter of the issue, he does say that he wanted to do an EC Comics-style uh, adaptation of the Shirtwaist tragedy, um, which I was like, oh, that makes sense. I kind of feel like that stuff at the end, like his intention of what the thing is, should be at the beginning. So that yeah, 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 yeah. Because like, EC Comics is like 50s horror comics that you... Aren't ex- like they have like a weird twist at the what end. Is, what that, is Easy Comics? Uh, what's, did EC stand for? East, uh, this is a, oh, it's late in my brain, bro. But they, they were basically the um, comics that got everyone in uproar in the fifties of like banned comics. They're all like Satanists uh, okay. because they were okay. all like the zombie monster horror comics of the fifties. Okay. Still like really gross. Okay. So like, that's why at the end, when the old woman, the old woman who goes and then dies, getting in the elevator mm-hmm. during the fire, and it just like yeah. crashes, and that really that was ghastly. Horrific ghastly picture of like all their faces elongated and all sketchy in yeah, the smoke mm-hmm. really... um she comes back at the end to the big the big bucks dude who didn't give them any like safety yeah. uh, and basically like her skin melts off mm-hmm. and she like basically enacts her vengeance right. just after the book ends mm-hmm. so, yeah so that's 
that's especially what is in the style of the DC comics. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah. So uh, I feel entertaining like comics, by the way. <laughs> entertaining. Entertaining. Entertaining comics. Entertaining comics. Yeah. comics. Uh, um, Nicole, <clears throat> you just you just said something about characters who inhabit interesting moral territory. Yeah. And I would love to hear more about how you define that and and what you like about that and where you see that. Well, I guess happen. because being good, good and evil doesn't feel. I am a terrible person, and I only want to read things that I feel like either echo my own experiences as a human or illuminate things that I'm not familiar with but feel true. And extreme cases of black and white don't feel like either of those things. Yeah. And so, therefore, are not as illuminating or necessarily interesting to me. Yeah. Yeah. So, like, I'm more interested in the very brief panels that we had of the grocery store workers who felt bad for the old woman but then couldn't, didn't make enough money to give up her anything. Okay. Yeah. Then the um, factory owner who like the first half of the conversation where he's talking about making a profit and making money. Yeah. There's a part of me that's like well potentially his bottom line isn't that big and he is cutting these corners for whatever reason and then we find out he's clearly rich. There's no question. I I have to agree with you and I'll say that to me the most interesting character was the policeman. Yes. Who I I would argue is in interesting more moral uh, territory because he sees injustice yes which is not technically illegal right knows that something should be done wants to do something about it has an opportunity to speak out mm-hmm. and doesn't for fear of repercussion yes uh, and I actually would have liked to see his guilt or shame or or There's penitence or something. There's a little bit on the stand. Yeah, I agree with that. I also think that once they included any kind of reference to um, elections and to him getting anything from the factory owner, uh-huh. he actually lost a little bit of interest to me. Because uh, his position is an elected position. The cop? The, I think he's fire marshal. Oh, I thought he was a cop. So he's an elected official like who... Oh, right, because he yeah. said that there's that line about uh, like a donation to his campaign exactly. or something. Yeah. And as soon as that happened, there was a party that was like, he's not as interesting to me as somebody who, say, doesn't necessarily want to make a fuss. Okay. I yeah. see what you mean. Uh, I, I think, though, too, um, especially because this was sort of an homage to uh, EC Comics, Yes. those yeah. were all stories that definitely... They were morality just, they, plays, right? Yeah. Right. Okay. yeah, they were all okay. morality plays. And, and I think that... Um, it definitely like reads like a parable. Yes. Yeah. Or, yeah. You know what I mean. Yeah. Especially with the, like I think that the pleasure that we're intended to get out of it is that at the end the guy does get what's coming to him, mm-hmm. which in, was still pleasurable. In a, it yeah, was still satisfying in a very yeah. visceral mm-hmm. way where it, it it ends and and you it ends with you thinking, geez, I wish that the the wronged dead really could, yeah, <laughs> yeah. come come and oh, yeah. enact their. It is a really crazy last page, too. Because um, it's really creepy. Her dead eyes are so freaky. Yeah. 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 One of these panels... I, throughout these comics, I found that you, like, you're kind of reading and reading, and some of the, some of the images are kind of um, like practical or mechanical in the mm-hmm. sense that it needs to show you what's happening. Yeah, yeah. But then all of a sudden, there's just this gorgeous... And this one's heartbreakingly gorgeous and sad in the content. This is image of a woman, her, and she, she's uh, her eyes are tearing up. She looks terrified, and smoke is starting to cover her face. It's and it's really yeah. haunting. Yeah. yeah, yeah. 
Well, what I like about this too, and and this is something that I like about Eric Powell, and especially when we're talking about the sort of black and white morality of it, is that um, he still keeps a sense of humor throughout this and kind of. Yeah, I mean, the fire started by a taco truck. Yeah, and also (laughs) he talks about by a woman using sex to gain power. Yeah. Oh, what is that? Unpack that. I just did. Not, not by a woman using sex to gain power. By a man responding to her request to use sex to gain power. Yes. Res- responding to it by doing something unsafe. Yes. If he had not locked them in, yeah. she, she could have been sexing him without repercussion. I <laughs> think that's true. But there's also a part of me that feels like her choice to go do that is given a number of panels. Like, it's being commented on, too. Yeah. And she, yeah, she's kind of portrayed as, like, she's not... She, she, well, she she's looks... Being, I'm just going to throw this out. She looks exactly like Rosie Lucille the Riveter. Ball. Yeah, it's... <laughs> and, and I think that's... Lucille Ball, Rosie the Riveter. So, <laughs> and, yeah. and I think that's... Like their love child. That can't be an accident. That, no, that ha- that's certainly on purpose, oh, even yeah. down to the... Even down to the, the jumpsuit. But, right. yeah. you know, and again, that especially was... Especially when nobody else in the factory is wearing a jumpsuit. Yeah. <laughs> she BYO jumpsuit. It's it's definitely <laughs> sort of a... It's, it's certainly sort of a... a for lack of a better term, I think a noirish move for for a woman to establish her sexuality yeah. in that way, um, and and also don't forget it also comes right after the uh, the owner uh, saying that there's no way they could have a fire in their factory while he's tamping his yeah. cigar in right. cotton batting, yeah, and then that funny. says that and there's sad. no way he could uh, you know spend that money right before he is going to have truffles and caviar in the back of his limousine. Also, what is the layout of the factory so that he has to lock, like there's a giant workroom that he has to lock because is there only one other giant open area? Like that, like well, well, like if we're gonna have sex in this room, there are no other rooms to go in. So if anyone comes out the door, they're gonna see us. Like was there not? They weren't in the building at all. Oh, they were just... They locked them oh, in. Oh, really? They, well, they, them they were in, like, an out, outhouse yeah. or, like, a shed Jeez, next to no, the building. It's, it's, it's so that they don't no, steal no, anything. He's at that door. He's right, yeah. at that door so they don't steal anything. Um, some of the... Women. Some of the panels... <laughs> so there's this panel where the boss, the evil boss, who's always smoking a cigar, he says, oh, a fire could never happen here. How could a fire happen here? As, like Matt said, as he's... Uh, Tapping ash from a cigar onto a, a pile of cotton batting, obviously easily flammable yeah. or very flammable. And there are panels like that where it almost looks and reads like a political cartoon. Yeah, mm-hmm. oh, you know? interesting. Oh, I mean, yeah. this was partially inspired by the uh, by uh, Wisconsin and by the union issues. Oh, yeah, yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. like the union busting mm-hmm. stuff. Yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, well, I definitely... it definitely has a political message, but I just found it interesting that there there are images where you can almost you could almost see that 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 guy would be labeled. You know yeah. how in political yeah, yeah. cartoons there's like some big shot doing this or whatever, and he's labeled like Republicans, or yeah, something like that? <laughs> yeah. yeah, or something, yeah. Or, or, or something. something. <laughs> he always has like a sash. That's a yeah. grand old party. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Um, and and I think that I think that it's certainly uh, it's frustrating that it does feel timely too uh, the the sort of issues that are uh, that that are brought up in this uh, mm-hmm. in yeah. this book. I, I feel like also I mean if oh well, there's actually there is Rosie the Riveter on the strike yeah. page. That's yeah, like straight up her. Yeah. Um, I feel like it's yeah bringing up that this was part of the Wisconsin issue. It's almost like Eric Powell with this 
did not even give a shit about writing a story so much as just kind of like how some people would, like how journalists would write an article or an essay or bloggers would blog or mm. idiots would start a petition because internet petitions, internet petitions don't do anything. Okay. Um, Eric Powell was like, I'm going to turn my political thoughts into a comic book. Like story, uh-huh. who cares about the story? I want to actually illustrate the points of like why unions are important. Right. In a yeah. somewhat narrative like old horror, and uh, like if you want to show the horrors of why we need to protect unions, then do it yeah, in a C yeah. style. Well, story. I think I think too. Yeah, yeah, when you're gonna when you're gonna uh, uh, tackle subject matter like this, I think that I think that this is using that type of story is is a good medium for it. Again, yeah. because of the sort of uh, for lack of a better term, heavy handedness of the message that's going to come across. Uh, mm-hmm. You know. All of those stories were morality plays and were very heavy-handed. Yeah, uh-huh. you know, and and I think that um, and and uh, dovetailing into the next issue, I, I I think that he shows moving into the next issue, number thirty-eight, that he's uh, Eric Powell is just as capable of telling a sort of heavy-handed morality play as he is of telling a, a very personal story oh, yeah. mm-hmm. about uh, about a, a quiet character surviving the life thrown at them. Yeah. Can I can I say one more thing about the uh, the factory? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Uh, I found what I found one subtlety that I found interesting and I would have actually liked to see more of this or uh, more expansion on this is that the bad guy in this comic it is explicitly said that he was not breaking the law. Yeah. And I yeah. liked that. I liked that it was not like the government turning a blind eye to the illegal actions mm. of a businessman. It was the fa- it was the shedding was made shed- to protect him. Right. And it was shining a light on the fact that the people which are which are unionized uh uh the people need to uh, have power as people as opposed to I have a lot of libertarian leanings guys yeah. sure as, as opposed to the government special announcement <laughs> as opposed to government always being the answer to everything and but even if you even if you don't have libertarian leanings that you can't even if you are expecting the government to be the entity who like does create a law that protects the, the workers that's not even that isn't going to happen on its own without the people saying, "Hey, we need to make what we yeah. need to happen happen." Yeah. Um, this message was brought to you <laughs> by well, the no, late night interview. <laughs> no, no, that's and, and and it's a good. I think it's a really good point too that uh, that and, and it's sort of telling in in the fact that yeah he wasn't he wasn't doing anything illegal, but that doesn't mean it wasn't wrong. Exactly, yeah, and yeah. it wasn't. It wasn't like uh, disrespectful of the people that are working for him. He was just trying to get his dirty him. grind on. So yeah. when you look at like, so when you look Is at stuff think? that's his going dirty on grind now, on. what are you talking? He about? He was what? What are you talking? The about? guy was wanting to get his dirty grind. You're talking on. about the guy who locked. This yeah, yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. We're talking about the, the factory the owner. I don't care who you're talking about. I don't what? know what you're talking about. Getting the dirty grind on. What are you talking Nicole, about? Nicole, don't feign ignorance. Everybody knows what a dirty grind is. Everyone yeah. straight dirty grinds. You've dirty grinded. I've never. Dirty, dirty ground. ground. Oh, <laughs> dirty ground. <laughs> it's a type of coffee. Yeah. yeah. Can I get a venti soy dirty grind? <laughs> yeah, in a French press. <laughs> Can you French press my dirty From ground? From Star Fox. Yeah. 
There you go. And blackout. Blackout. Next yeah. Issue. <laughs> Next issue. <laughs> yeah. But uh, but yeah. So so we we had two we had two very different tales in the first uh, in the first two issues, and the third is certainly no different. Uh, the third tells the tale of Kizzy the Strong Woman, who is the goon's mother. Is she? Did we know that Kizzy the Strong Woman is in his mother prior to this issue? Like, yes, is she it, referenced or seen? Yeah, it had been oh, mentioned okay. before. I don't. I, I can't. Rem, I can't recall off the top of my head if she'd been seen before. Um, but I. But this is the most that we see of her, mm-hmm. and uh, and it, you know from the dedication. Yeah. Um, it looks like this was. I don't know if it was necessarily motivated by the passing of his grandmother, or if that was just sort of coincidental. But it's a. It feels. It feels like a very personal tale. Yeah. Um. And uh, the the emotion. You know, that's one thing that I think a lot of. We read a lot of superhero comic books, and there's. Uh, Superhero artists a lot of times want to definitely nail those action poses and sort of the, the the emotion and the fight itself, but a lot of times you you lose the the subtleties of of facial acting mm-hmm. in a comic, mm-hmm. and there is so much of that in this. Uh, Kizzy is a is a character who who just internalizes and carries so much of that emotion on her face, and it's just heartbreaking to see the hope. Yeah, in her whenever the carnival comes into town and she's sort of duped, uh, she's sort of played. Yeah. yeah, you know, and it's really depressing. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's incredibly depressing. It's a really this depressing is the last story one I read because I also read them out of order because of like issues with internet. Um, and man, this is a downer to end <laughs> for me. Yeah, it's because it, it starts with them. With her and her brother as kids, and her brother is a jackass and murders one of their classmates. But in defense of her. Yeah, in defense of... Kind well, of, right? Well, no, they're already they're already out of danger. Like, this one kid was making fun no, of her in No, but I mean, like, in, in retaliation class. for her. Yeah. Which is, which is um, kind of goon-like. Right? Like, like, yeah. The character. Well, I mean, the sort of over no, the, 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 the the sort of overreaction of violence against. Yeah, and yeah. And the sense of also righting perceived wrongs. I mean, I, her brother's not portrayed as a hero by no, no, any no, no. means. Yeah. But I do think the seed of what the goon becomes is there in his biological. Certainly, partner. certainly, and that's that's sort of the um, the the idea. Well, oh, so you do you think that his uh, biological father is? Oh, yeah. I, that's what I thought. Oh yeah. right. Oh yeah, right. yeah. No 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 no. You yeah, know what? I'm, I'm mixing. What? I'm mixing it up. No, the biological father is certainly the dad. Yeah, right. because he's dropped off at the doorstep. <laughs> what? Duh. Yeah, the brother. Uh, yeah, yeah yeah the brother. Um, so I'm his sorry. mother is We're actually his late. aunt. Uh, yeah yeah. yeah. It's, like, it's like a Bobby Darren type deal. Yeah or sort or, of. Well yeah. Or Baru and no no because they're. Yeah. Obi-Wan's. When also, Baru, or uh, Bobby Darren, his mother was his grandmother, okay. and his sister yeah. was his mother. Yeah. But but he was raised, but Kizzy, <laughs> Kizzy is someone who takes on the responsibility yes. of of raising a child that her, that her father, or that, that her, um, you know, and, and it's interesting to look at the goon and know that that's where he came from, yeah. and the idea of nature versus yeah. nurture, because right. he still does have a moral code. He's a gangster. Right. He is a gangster, but he... He's willing to use methods other people won't use. Right. Yeah. Right, and you see I'm that in the union busting guys, in the previous it's issue. it's tempered by Kizzy's nature, because she's the one who raised him. Yeah. Yeah, wow. That's really... 
going back and because I didn't even put put that together now that I'm going back and re- looking through it again. Yeah, and and you look at and you look at the character of Frankie too, and yeah. you sort of see that oh okay, so Frankie sort of serves as the id right. more more so than even you would think in the previous issues that oh this is the externalization of right. what his dad was like to a comical effect. Right. Yeah. Um, and, uh, and, and mm. yeah, so the dad, the dad is clearly someone who doesn't want to take responsibility right. for their actions. Whereas Kizzy is someone who has, because, because of that cart scene in the very beginning has always internalized the responsibility that her brother has always oh. shirked. Right. Man. And just watching her, watching her take on that responsibility and she, she would never, she would never raise that. Mm-hmm. To her own family, but will explode on um, on the Daredevil stuntman that um, that she falls in love with at the carnival. Yeah, I also, I mean, I don't know if this is even anything, but I feel like in a lot of in a lot of fiction and maybe even in real life, when a significant other catches their perceived significant other cheating on them, they always go after the woman or man that their person is oh. with. Yeah. Whereas I'm so glad that Kizzy both yeah, throws true. the woman that he's making out with. Hilariously. Yeah, just, just throws her. But then also just like choke slams him up against the wall. I like that Kizzy is smart enough to realize you blame the person that's actually doing the cheating, not like the floozy that's tempting him. It's like, right. no, it's also, it is his fault. Yeah. 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 No first question. and foremost. Mm-hmm. And yeah. I really, I like that that was a, a, a thing that happened. Yeah. yeah, like it's yeah, it's just it's it's both people's fault in yeah. that in that scenario, and I like that it's her moral compass. Yeah, like she has like she knows right like who does yeah yeah. I, the guy that she was originally with was a good guy, right? And she kind of got yeah. she. He was it was good, her choice but he to did go have off. Limited expectations for her life. Yeah, he, yeah, he immediately undercuts your like, expectations. Oh, you're never gonna leave. Right. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. And like the look on her face. Him, yeah, like no, him. he wasn't a bad guy, but he, but you she could... would have been better right. off with him. Maybe, yeah. maybe seeing as how what leaving town mm-hmm. led her to. Well, yeah, I, I have a question. Um, in the so he was raised technically by his aunt. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. In the factory issue, when they go to get the goon. He says, my aunt worked in a factory once. Like, oh, wait, remember when they're like, oh, can you come help us? And he's oh, like, yeah. uh, he's like, my aunt worked in a factory once. I'll help you. I'll help you out. And then in this episode, in this issue, in which is a yeah. later issue, right? This is the following issue? Mm-hmm. Yeah, this is yeah, the next issue. The next uh, she does go and work in a factory. So I have to assume that that is yeah. the, that he is referring to his aunt as an aunt, that he doesn't call her Mom. Mom, yeah, like he. Yeah. Knew the I've just been, I've just been using that as, uh, for, yeah. for, for sure, lack sure, of a better sure. term. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. But I, I just, I didn't realize that before. But I just, yeah, realized that's that was about Yeah. Also, that, also knowing that this is about his, well, not about his grandmother, but dedicated to his grandmother. That last. And then reading the last line where the goon says, "When you died, I knew there was one less person in this world that really loved me." Uh, like I choked up when I read that. Like I'm I'd, like yeah. I it's... only cry at the Avengers, and this is that's <laughs> that is factually inaccurate. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> what are other things that I have cried at? Uh, what are you <laughs> As Nicole gets up Where and looks at his wall of not Lord of the Rings. You, you didn't cry at the end of Lord of the Rings. No. Okay. Which ending? But I'm bummed because <laughs> it ends for about uh, twenty minutes. Lost. Yes, I cried it's... like a okay. baby at the series finale of Lost. 
Uh, all of Buffy. Uh-huh. Yeah, for Multiple the listeners, things. Nicole is just walking the room, walking around the room, pointing at things. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Angel, yes. Okay, ever? Uh, Battlestar Galactica, no. Uh, the Office, uh, UK Office, yes. Which, Series when, finale. When Series. You, oh yeah. Series. You mean finale. the, uh, the Christmas, Christmas specials? Special. Yeah. Uh, the X Men cartoon. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, a lot of a lot of crying know. during when Morph died you know, in Night I of the Sentinels. It's still Brett. It's still Brett. No, yeah, I don't think so. All right. I haven't even walked to the comic book shelf yet. <laughs> okay, then we'll be here for a while. Here's here's. Can I give a general thought about the goon? Yeah. yeah. By which I mean the character yeah. of the goon. Uh, I like him. Yeah. And I I'm curious. Just from reading these four episodes, or these, I keep thinking of them as episodes for some reason. That's, that's fine. That's, that's fine. Uh, these four issues, I it seems as if the way it kind of works is a scenario is set up, the main characters of the scenario are introduced, et cetera, et cetera, and then the goon is kind of come. It's almost like an episode of the A Team. Yeah, you know what I yeah. mean. Where yeah. It's like, yeah, yeah. Like someone's so there's, there's this bad guy. There's these innocent people. Something's going on, and it's like. If you can find him, the goon will yeah. come and help you. Yeah. And then he comes and he helps them. Are there also issues where it's like just all about the goon? Oh, certainly. And, I like him. Okay. And yeah, earlier and earlier issues too. Uh, there's there's a lot more. Um, there's there's not a lot more. There's a bit more continuity. Like the uh, the, the zombie priest that appears in the in issue thirty yeah, seven yeah. is actually a recurring villain. Yeah, in the I'm stories. curious about that because every the, every issue said talks about this priest on this page. Yeah, like yeah, the, on the, the opening, introduction the, the page. nameless man, the zombie priest, had come to town to build a gang from the undead. But even the undead fear the goon. So and that is literally I, how the the entire series starts. But, but what does that mean? Is he his arch nemesis? Like he's always around in the shadows? Yeah, more more or less. And they find ways okay. to push these guys up against each other. And there are. Um, we can go back and certainly let you guys borrow some uh, some older issues of the goon. They're uh, they're a little more connected. There are some other there are some other villains that pop up more often mm-hmm. in those issues as well. And he's uh, he's these are these stories are are certainly like those sort of uh, those a team yeah you know, those a team stories of drop drop the goon into a scenario and see how he react you know see uh-huh. how he bounces off of them. Um, there's it. it it basically is at the whim, I think, of Eric Powell and sure. what story he wants to tell, yeah. which is kind of the magic of creator-owned comics. Like he can, do, he can do whatever he wants, and he's created a character that does anything at once. So yeah. this is a question of mine: Is, yeah. is a creator-owned comic just literally exactly what it sounds in the sense that they are not licensing anything, they're not hired by someone who owns the yeah. rights to the character? Right. Yeah. So Eric Powell writes it, illustrates it, and he owns the rights to yeah. the Goon. Yeah, so Dark Horse just is just the distribution method that he uses. Yeah, it's okay. like it's like being able, let's say like you create it, so like you made Late Night Interview, you wrote it, you shot it, uh-huh. you produced it and everything, and then, uh, and then like, n- let's say Nicole has uh, a... <laughs> Let's say Nicole has like a YouTube channel and has some money, and she says, "Oh, I like late night interview. I want to be able to, uh, to uh-huh. yeah, I'm gonna pony some bread up for you. Pony and some bread. Uh, if you if or you release pony. late night interview just pony through us, you could you continue to own, uh, you retain all the rights. Yeah. But we have a contract for a set amount of time, and if you reach certain benchmarks, okay. you make certain amounts of money. But 
we will also pay you a base okay. for yeah. uh, for continuing to, um, to make these stories. Okay, so, it's, so, are you interested? Um, <laughs> this was... No. Oh! <laughs> because YouTube is free. Okay. I, get but, I get it. So what's, what's kind of implied and what goes along with that is that these, these are all altered by people who have complete control and are with that distribution channel because they want to be... But if they wanted, they could take their characters elsewhere. Well, for this book, yeah, for like a creator-owned book, yeah, definitely. and like some like okay. um, like Fear Agent uh, is a book. It was an indie book that started out at Image Comics, and then when it got canceled, the creator just took it to Dark Horse, and then Dark okay. Horse finished up the run. Okay. Um, when you say book, you mean comic book series? Yeah, like yeah. series. Yeah, series. Okay. Yeah, 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 yeah. And um, there was actually, there was actually, and you can see it on YouTube. There's a two and a half minute. Um, basically pitch reel for a goon animated film produced by David Fincher. Um, Paul Giamatti does the voice of Frankie and Clancy Brown, who's a very famous uh, uh, voice actor, does the voice of the goon. Uh-huh. And it's pitch perfect to the series. It's huh. just two and a half minutes of them hanging out in the bar and the goon steps out and Frankie has to deal with a dead a dead body in the bar. <laughs> and it's It's really funny. It's really well done. Um, you should check it out. So where is, what's the status of that? Is like, is that going to happen? It's, it, they, they keep saying it's going to happen, but I think that they built that for like, as a production, as like a sizzle reel for, for financing purposes. And they, I just don't think that they have the money yet. Okay. Um, I don't know that they have the script either, but I think they're waiting for the money to finish the script and then they're going to okay. produce the film. But if they get it made with the style of animation that they have mm-hmm. and with the talent that they have in that, like it's going to be phenomenal. Yeah, I, I feel like we're moving into the next. Are we moving into the next issue? Yeah, uh, we can. yeah, yeah. Uh, so, which, so that was definitely <clears throat> the most I think heartfelt. Yeah. Of the four issues, there's I, I think there's a lot yeah. of personal. Oh yeah, there, there's a lot of personal uh, issues in that, and it. Oh man, just read these issues in order, and end on this one, and not on the one before. Uh, that one was. And dark. this was the issue that made me feel like, okay, I really want to cover all four of these at once because yeah, there are four different types of story, and this, especially because we're we're a much more uh, superhero focused podcast, yeah. I laughed out loud. At every single panel of this book, yeah, I loved it. This is a complete send up of what sells in superhero books now. Yeah. And I have, I, I have conflicting emotions about this. I hate Not... it. I thought it was mean. See <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> so that? Yeah, there, I, thought, I thought it was so smug and superior with your creator-owned comic. Yeah, that, I feel like that is. Yeah, that's. See, that's the thing. That I mean, I mean. Uh, get, don't get me wrong. All of his criticisms are entirely valid. Yes. Yeah. But they also just kind of feel <clears throat> like an empty list of zings. Yeah. As opposed to the fact that the comic that he's been making, as much as I have had criticisms of it, is a much better argument against those comic yeah, books. Yeah, like you are already making the argument every month. You exactly. Don't, uh, yeah. This just, um, this just, felt, just, this just felt nasty. But also, I mean, like, oh. I... Because I do agree with everything that he says in the back matter, where he has like a very nice, a very good essay about how mm-hmm. the top one thousand comic books of twenty eleven, twenty four of them were not Marvel or DC, right? Which right. is yeah. insane. It's, you might as well just say that, like, that's just another way of saying statistic with statistics that. 
comics are only DC and Marvel. Yeah. Yeah. In in the sense that in the mainstream, like as far as the main as far as the public or like the the consumers are concerned, yes. there are yeah. only and DC and Marvel comics. It, and like things like this cuz this is like such a hot issue at all times, especially lately with um like Jack Kirby's estate constantly a battle with Marvel for them just giving him any type of credit or money for all the characters he co-created. Um, and then also before Watchmen happening, oh yeah, the mistreatment. Of, well, the the mistreatment of every creator, specifically Alan Moore. Um, and it's not so much mistreatment because he did sign a contract, but the contract itself is still flawed. Well, and going awful. back to going back to the union, yeah. uh, the union issue of the goon. Nothing that they did in that situation was illegal. Yeah, doesn't mean it wasn't awful. shitty. Right. So it does. There is just so much. Con- and as someone who I don't care if it doesn't make me cool. Or if I'm just, like, a drone who's just selling out or whatever. Mm-hmm. I love Marvel Comics. Mm-hmm. Oh, I yeah. love Marvel Comics. I always have. I feel like when they let creators do the best thing, it's what I want. And it's almost all I want. And I feel like I am made to feel guilty because of that by a lot of... Like, it's mm-hmm. kind of like the, oh, we don't own a television Right. That you Type hear. Or at, least, yeah. or at least that for a total comic book nerd entirely immersed in the world without reservation, you still kind of get treated like you don't know what you're talking about. Yeah. Well, yeah. My, I guess my here's my confusion about it. I, well, first of all, since not being, even not being a comics person, I still recognized mm-hmm. these, <laughs> yeah. these things. Because they were going on. Because they were going on in the, the comics that I did read. Yes. Yeah. Uh, and so it's clear to me that these things are, you know, a million times more recognizable to people who do read yeah. Yeah. comics a lot. But here's, I have two things. One, two, okay, so two things. One is being able to recognize and deconstruct something has nothing to do with whether that thing is good or valid. So if you if you are trying to write movies and you read some books on screenplay writing, they will tell you that your your movie needs to have the following story structure. It it has the ten minutes the in the inciting incident, right. should inciting incident. There's there's like the struggle and there's the call to blah blah blah. If you if if some asshole sits in the back of a movie theater and calls out. Oh, great inciting incident. <laughs> you know, there's just, there's kind yeah. of a smug like, oh, I see what you're doing there and therefore I, I have like shot it down and invalidated it, which I don't, when that happens, I don't like. Yeah. And I guess my point is, as I read this, some of it felt like that to me. Yeah. But I'm, I, and I know that I'm like, I'm running my mouth. But the second thing I wanted <laughs> to say was, uh, well, I've forgotten it. So never mind. <laughs> well, it's, it's such a brilliant idea to say like the goon is clearly not one of those comics, but it is by a publisher who is constantly being dwarfed by DC and Marvel. Yeah. yeah. Um, and so the idea of saying like, great, let's give the goon that treatment to me is a brilliant idea, but yeah. it's just done so. Um, it's done without any subtlety, and it's done so directly to the audience, and it's done so much like a list well, see, that I, I think... feel like everything interesting about that concept is lost. Okay. See, I liked it because because it was completely unsubtle, and I thought that yeah. it being completely unsubtle was also sort of... So here was here was why I love this issue so much, is mm-hmm. it really felt like... You know, we, we, you had said earlier, and I think it's a really great point, that the goon proves issue in and issue out that it's... 
it's not like those other right. books. But the problem is in the industry mm-hmm. that much like in much like in any uh, entertainment medium, you find one thing. This is uh, something that uh, Brett and Sebastian and I were talking about earlier, and Sebastian made a great point that you know right now. Um, Right now in films, Bridesmaids made a ton of money last year, uh, opened to great reviews, and and it was it was this uh, sensation that no one expected. Now, the the wrong lesson was taken away from that because now people think, oh, yeah. audiences want to see wedding movies. No, no, that's <laughs> not like what it is. Well written. We want to see well written. We like. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but like people it. see mm-hmm. that, mm-hmm. you know, oh. Uh, introducing one gay character, whether they were gay or not, whether it's contradictory to their yeah. to their uh, that that stuff happens, and it's just this bandwagon jumping. And I I thought that it was hilarious that uh, that Eric Powell sees this as completely unsubtle cash grabs and yeah. says, you know, it's not that I it's not that I can't do this, it's that I don't want to. Yeah. Watch, see, I can do this too, and this is what it looks like. When it's it's that I I thought that it was a very funny yes. farce, and yeah. I thought that it was purposely unsubtle because a lot of that stuff really is unsubtle. Right. Yeah. Uh, the way that they introduce it in in actual superhero storytelling. The thing that I do like, but also I feel like when you are calling out all the tropes, it does sound like you are like acting like you're better than it. Um, so, like, when he goes on this whole rampage about multicolored goons and, like, anyone can just do different colors, which is totally true. The fact that there's, like, all these lanterns and all these hulks, like, it's such an easy fucking idea. Um, but when I read it... You I, can base your plots on primary colors. Yeah, exactly. But it does also come down to, like, Jeff Parker, who was saddled with the Red Hulk, has made the Red Hulk one of the most interesting characters oh. in the Marvel Universe. So it kind of feels like I get, I get Eric Powell that... Basing things on primary colors is a dumb idea, but I also feel like you should probably give credit where credit's due. That like they're doing amazing stories with this stupid idea. Oh yeah, and I don't think he's. I don't think he's attacking. I don't think he's definitely not attacking. I think he's attacking the industry more than individual creators, which I, which again I think is I'm all for that. Yeah, and it's Uh, just coming from a. I just get really defensive about superhero comics because I do feel weirdly like persecuted, or it's it's kind of like I don't know. Uh, your your comics aren't indie enough. Like using a music indie, mm-hmm. not yeah. comic indie. Like you know, yeah. like as I was reading it, I and, and thinking about it now, I find myself wondering: Is it something that the average comic book reader? So the average comic book reader is reading DC and Marvel, like yes. we established from the top thousand comics. Yeah. Uh, so if the average reader reads this, is it going to be more along the lines of, oh, geez, they they really they really nail them. I mean. I, I I love these comics, but they did a really. Do you know what? I, like sometimes, yeah. if you're a fan of something, you really appreciate seeing it kind of like needled or. Oh, skewed. that's yeah. I took that from this, but yeah, personally, then, yeah. but then yeah, other yeah. times it's it. If it feels like kind of somebody else making fun of your thing, it's like, hey, you don't yeah. understand. I feel don't like make I fun feel, of my I thing. I kind of feel more so like I feel that. like you lean more towards and that, that, and like that the other way. More well, see, yeah, I feel like I feel like Brett's way, so we won. Yeah. We won. <laughs> You don't well, know thing, what I feel like. <laughs> what do you feel like? And he's quiet for 15 minutes. Yeah, so... Uh, <laughs> I feel like this has been done before. Like, Next Wave, which was a Marvel comic that Marvel published, did nothing but just shit and take the piss out of all Marvel tropes, really? all Marvel anything. Constantly? But, I've, yeah, like the entire 12 issues is nothing but just making fun of 
like henchmen and powers and leadership and story structure and everything. And it's mm-hmm. all like specific, it's a Marvel comic making fun of Marvel comics. Huh. Um, but it's done with characters that I like and that actually tells a story. Like there is a clear story with Next Wave. Yeah, there's and a they're story using arc. all those yeah. tropes to, de- to deconstruct, but still tell a story that's captivating. Mm-hmm. Like they could have well, done that story straight and it would have still been great. But instead they like just you know I mean Cabin in the Woods, you haven't seen it yet, right? I haven't either. But I made Chris tell me. Has that anybody happens. seen it? Oh I have, yeah. Okay. Well, it's totally deconstructing and parodying horror movies while still being a good horror movie. Yes. Yeah. And I think that's why I like it. Yeah. I think that's what, if it was literally just a list of things that happen in horror movies, and I, feel, I would be like, well, yeah. Oh, right. And I think this issue is more of a list. Not not to knock it um, okay, at all. But I do feel like if this is, fair. if this had told like, here is an actual goon story with like an arc and like a beginning, middle, and end, like a Dunham one. Yeah. Um, that has all these points. Like, instead of showing multicolored goon, he came up across some other character who was multicolored, and the goon himself, as whatever his superhero name is, comments on this other thing. I don't like, I, like a story okay. that I cut, like, that would be maybe more, this just felt like, kind of like, I went to my comic book store to buy my Avengers vs. X-Men, and the guy behind the counter was like, you know they just do events every year, right? And I'm like, yeah, I, I do know that they do events every year. The Avengers vs. X-Men's been entertaining so far, so I'm gonna, I'm gonna buy it. I know. I went, to, I went to buy Wolverine and the X-Men, and I went, like, a week late, and they were out of number nine, I think. And as I was walking away, somebody just goes, tie-ins. <laughs> <laughs> I just wanted to be like, a... I just want to read about Kenny Pride. Exactly. Yeah. And also, Wolverine and the X-Men is well written. It's great. Like, that's the thing is... But Just you, because... should read, you should read Alpha and Omega because it's okay. even better. Now, also, the th- I mean, I also I 100% agree with what Eric Powell said. And the fact that our medium is only, our, the medium of comic books is one genre, which is crazy. Yeah, because that is, what do you mean? Like, comic, like, a thousand comic books, they're all superheroes. They're all superheroes. Okay. You know? Yeah. And that is insane. But yes. that's not actually true, though. No, but so, the thing well, is... But like, it's, mean, same, it's like your statistical point before. Yeah. Like, okay. Statistically, but there they're are, all superheroes. Isn't, isn't there, like, a pretty healthy genre of uh, kind of, like, sad or funny comics <laughs> that are not... I think of... Well, I mean, there, I no, there are... Mean, you mean Ghost World? <laughs> yeah. Like Ghost World or like um, those are. do exist, but they're, they're not successful. Well, I mean, well, they are, but like not, on a much smaller scale. I feel like people scale. do force the label graphic novel on them. Yeah, 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 yeah. Because there, there was this sort of uh, about ten or twelve years ago, there, there became there was still that sort of idea of the ghettoization of the word comic book. So yeah. you had you had people that thought they were like the hoi polloi saying right. like, I don't the, read comic books, I read graphic novels. Well, Newsflash, Watchmen was published as 12 comic books. Yeah. Jerks. Like. What is Neil, Neil Gaiman has some kind of quote about that. I forget what it is. Um... He has a quote. He, or he's, he, yeah. <laughs> he's got a line. Not that he said he's quoted. it. He said something that gets quoted. And I don't, I'm going to... He woke up it. with it in a field with oh, no right. knowledge of what happened. Well, and Google just this quote on his Google palm. it now because I'm not going to bother explaining it to you. Well, I, okay. So I do see your points there because I, I was very interested and in, in kind of surprised by the initial reactions uh, just because we are all... Uh, comedians doing this sort of thing yeah. with other stuff, but I do understand now that uh, where where you're coming from, and I and yeah, I bet it, I bet it would be a bit of a richer sort of satire if there was a story involved. It would be like going to see a show at UCB and it just being a series of jokes about a thing a rather than game. having a right. through line. Yeah, yeah. yeah. as a- opposed to the burlesque issue that we started with. 
Yeah. Which was the comic book. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Which is like when when a thing when it takes the idea and it actually embodies it. Yeah. Instead of talking about form following function. Here's something I did want to say. Wait unpack in 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 uh, like in support of in not just in an attempt to but in, in in a genuine support of an idea that this that this issue definitely subscribes to or espouses. Um, um, I haven't forgotten it. I'm looking for the words. This idea of author created or uh, creator owned, owned content. Is where we're headed, not just as a trend, but out of necessity, because our our modern uh, set of tastes has splintered and fractured. Yeah. To the degree, to the point at which there's there are still things that have broad appeal, but there, but if you uh, aggregated all of the things that uh, small groups of people watch. There, there's a large number of things that small groups of people watch, and if you told them more people are watching those small things than are all watching, like, you know, CBS on Thursday nights. You oh, know yeah, what I mean? Yeah. There's yeah. much more niche viewing and less communal viewing. Exactly. Yeah. It's like, and, being, like all the top web series on YouTube combine all their views, probably have more than... Way more than, yeah, like, than, the network TV show. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And, I, and I love that, and I'm excited about it, and whenever something new comes up, where it's like there's a new content distribution website where you can create content and get paid for it. Like you get paid by the views and like YouTube channels where you where you have profit sharing and stuff like that, but you still retain control of your uh, of what you created. I'm so on board with that and genuinely psyched that I get that I was born now instead oh, yeah. of like ten years earlier when there, you just couldn't break into what it yeah. is that I personally am trying to do. Yeah. You couldn't break into it on your own. You had to wait for somebody to give you an opportunity to break into yeah. it. And it seems like with comic books now, Dark Horse is the very type of thing where, oh, you want to make a comic book and it's good? We'll help you do that. And yeah, and they actively awesome. like do that. They have anthologies. Like it's, it's, Dark Horse is a place that you break into, which yeah. is actually really great. Um, I'm on board. I just... I, I totally agree with everything Eric Powell says. Um, and I do... And I... More lately, I do always try to give every... I always try to educate myself on the new Image, Vertigo, and Dark Horse books. Just so I know what is out there indie-wise. Because I'm aware of it. Um, but I... I... I'm not... I don't want to feel guilty for liking Marvel and DC comics that are well-written. Because you can well, write great comics within those two companies. But that, that, And it does suck. Like, their contracts and everything, and the fact that they are, oh, they're corporate, does suck. But also... Oh, man, so many... This is such a huge issue. Also, not many people buy Marvel comics. Are, and, you, are you crying? No, I'm not crying. <laughs> Don't our, the listeners can't see that? He, They're gonna believe everything he, he said. only cries at the Avengers. <laughs> yeah, he was just about to talk about the Avengers. You um, guys. He was. I was thinking about the Avengers. Leave me alone. <laughs> it's like I don't know. Like Jeff Lemire is writing Animal Man, and it is brilliant. Mm-hmm. Um, he needs money. He needs a job. His job is writing for DC Comics. He's an amazing yeah. creator. I buy Sweet Tooth. Sweet Tooth I is. buy Animal Man. Yeah, but like, I, I hate Yellow Animal Man. 
Wait, who is Yellow Animal Man? Nobody. Is that really? Oh, okay. That was, uh, that was a callback. Okay. Yeah, that was a callback. Okay, sorry. I'm, well, well, I'm, I think I'm so fried. It's sort My of that. Uh, circles. I think it was Patton Oswalt that said it years ago that you know, yeah, you take the corporate job so that you can afford to do the things that you you make enough money sure. doing those things so that you can continue to pursue the projects that you want to do on your own Some time. Some corporate jobs can be cool. Yeah, you can make them cool, right? Yeah. <laughs> I guess my. My biggest thing about the issue is kind of like what then, like what what now? Like if I yeah. if 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 most of my favorite comics are Marvel and DC, and and also I read some uh, some like indie I'm using air quotes or content uh, uh, creator owned content uh, type of books, then like should you because some people will out of a uh, moral uh, um, urgency or moral some whatever you want to call it will intentionally be like I am going to go watch this movie in the theater yeah. to support mm-hmm. because I believe yes. in this thing yes. or oh, I, I've done that I am going yeah. to purchase this <clears throat> XYZ because not 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 just because I happen to want to see it but because I happen to know how it got made and I want to support that yes and and I wonder if that's kind of the, like the end conclusion of the book is like support content. I keep saying content created. Yeah, it's it's yeah. 2012. That's how you refer to it. It's how we refer yeah, to everything now. I think that is a you know takeaway. I mean? Yeah, that's definitely a takeaway. But also the thing is, is like if you're reading the goon, he's already like he's already you kind of points already made. Like, yeah, yeah, and that I think that's part of what, what yeah. unsettled me because I was like it just felt like an inside party. Yeah, sure, inside party, but. It was a gorgeous inside party. Oh, yeah. inside party. I, I did. I did actually think a lot of the jokes were funny, especially the joke about the the finely detailed background that they trace from like architecture software, which, which is like I yeah, that's, is real. That's, that's exactly what so many artists what, do now. What I loved about um, that joke too is if you look at the uh, if you look at the panel directly below them calling that out. The uh, the background is only half finished. Yeah, <laughs> you can actually oh, see, see like yeah. the, the the blueprint lines yeah. of the of the vector. Uh, but I actually really enjoyed some of the or a lot of the art in it, even though it was specifically done in a style which I also thought was yeah, amazing. How he did morph his style to match like a McFarlane and a like you know yeah yeah it's, yeah it's really cool. Yeah, he's a god. I love I love Eric Powell's art so much. It just. There's a texture to it, like with Dave Stewart's colors and just the way that he draws the everything feels like tactile. As you say that as we yeah. skim past an upskirt shot from the superhero issue. Uh-huh. Yeah. But everything really does feel tactile the way that he the way that he draws and, and I don't know if it's I still don't know if it's it's painting or if it's pencil shading or what. Yeah. Um but it's it's fan oh man, I I will just pour over his art. Yeah. After I after I read an issue, I will just like look through it again just to pour over the yeah. the panels and there's the detail. Re- there's a real, especially in these spanning these four issues. There's a real variety in the like you said the texture of it mm-hmm. in in the um, like in the in the factory episode, it's everything is so gray and he, yeah. Like you can tell that he really takes advantage of anything that has kind of a a a, a geographical a certain geographical setting or it's like a period kind of mm-hmm. a period piece. It, it really shows up in the uh, in the art. 
which is really really fun. And in this, in like in this issue, in the superhero, like in the kind of parody issue, everything is so shiny. Yeah, like it's all <laughs> yeah. made out of like a rubberized lycra yeah. type yeah. of thing, which yeah. is such a superhero thing, and which even is, I think, is even very, maybe somewhat of a reference to. You know, do you know how like it used to be that when superheroes were portrayed in live action, they had fabric uh, outfits, kind of like spandex. Uh, yeah. And and now it's kind of more rubberized, like mm-hmm. like Spider Man and the X Men yeah, yeah. is kind of rubberized, and this one looks very rubberized. <laughs> to me. Yeah. Yeah. It's I don't know. It's cool. Yeah, and there's that juxtaposition at the very end of the issue where the actual Goon and Frankie show up. And they're shaded the same way that they are right. regularly in like the series, just as a stark contrast. Yeah. They're existing in this other universe, but they, they look like themselves. It's cool. Yeah, Guys, that was a whirlwind through four different worlds. Yeah. Whirlwind. Yeah. Yeah. I, uh, I thank you guys for, uh, for checking out The Goon. Um, yeah. this, is, this is one of... One of my must-reads every time it comes out. Uh, I, I think this book is... It always delivers something unique. Yeah. It uh, really does. And I think it does make a great case for actually supporting creator-owned comics. And definitely should. Um, this is the longest podcast we've ever done, but we got really riled up on issues. But yeah, yeah. What, what I think I think the reason is this clearly, from, the, from this small sample set, clearly each issue has a statement yes yeah it is making yeah. a statement that you can literally summarize in a sentence and i think that that's really cool yeah, yeah. um awesome well uh ben thank you so much for joining us uh Thanks thank you me. for uh jumping in on the experiment you had some really great points and some awesome questions yeah. we had a great time uh plug away what do you got going on uh whatever me? you want um well, uh, my my sketch comedy team performs at the UCB Theater. Onassis? Uh, yeah, the first Monday. Uh, usually the first Monday of every month. You can go to onassiscomedy.com and check out some of our sketches. Um, right now I'm writing a web series. Uh, it's not yet named. It'll air this. It'll air on, <laughs> on Nicole's <laughs> website, youtube.com, <laughs> this summer. Um, go watch Gossip Girl season five, episode sixteen, to look at my face for about forty-five seconds. Oh! And um, follow me on Twitter at twitter.com slash. <laughs> That's it. Just slash. And if, slash? if you go to twitter.com slash, everything that shows up is from me. <laughs> <laughs> I, here's my second secret: I write Twitter. It's a little side project. Thanks for uh, having me, guys. It's really fun. Yeah. Great. Uh, Nicole? Uh, I just pulled Why the Last Man off the shelf, so I'm going to be reading that. So, you run into me, ask me about it. We'll yeah. It. You can run into her on Tuesday nights at UCB with her improv team, Bucky. Uh, or monthly at Under St. Mark's with her improv team, Teenage Cop. Yeah. Who were dynamite this past week. Yeah. Uh, you can follow me on Twitter at Brett White. Uh... Also, articles for CBR, etc., etc. Also, my improv, my sketch team, Everything Rabbits, third Monday of the month at UCB in New York. Um, Twitter.com slash the Matt Little, Facebook.com slash the Matt Little, uh, Matt and Brett Love Comics.com. Like us, request things. Thank yes. you, Ben Ragib. And, uh, and uh, lefthandedradio.com. Yeah. Um, so, until next time, this is Matt. And this is Brett. Editing that out. Definitely. <laughs> All right, guys, thanks so much for hanging out with us. We'll see you next time on Matt and Brett Love Comics. Bye. Bye.